is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Well, David Weiss has told a court that they expect to indict Hunter before the end of this month, by September 29th, required to tell the court under the Speedy Trial Act, and most people are surmising it must be the gun violation. Two quick things about this, then I want to move on. Abby Lowell is a defense counsel. He's actually pretty damn good. And he's already said out there several weeks ago that when it comes to the gun issue, uh, they already entered into a diversion agreement, that Hunter Biden has complied with the diversion agreement, that um, he's met the conditions for pretrial release, and that the government's not free now to go back on the diversion agreement, regardless of what the overall deal did or did not do. It was agreed to by the U.S. Attorney's Office. It was agreed to by the Department of Justice. It was agreed to by this one and that one. So he's got an interesting argument. But that's not where my head is. If they're going to indict Hunter Biden... And indict him on the gun charge, Mr. Producer, in America. That doesn't lead to Papa Bear, does it? See, my mind's always moving, moving, moving. The wheels are always moving. I know what everybody else is talking about, the diversion agreement. Why? Because defense counsel mentions the diversion agreement. I don't know what he's going to be indicted for, neither does anybody else. But if he's not indicted... For the FARA violations, tax violations that may still be available since the statute of limitations ran on the biggest ones and so forth, then his father, Joe, will not be drawn into this. Do you understand what I'm saying? You do, right, Rich? Rich is eating a steak sandwich. He's very busy. 
choking down a uh, cheesesteak. But you folks understand, regardless of what Rich doing, right? Just messing around with Rich. But that's the point. The point is that this is the most harmless indictment that can be brought. That defense counsel has an argument. I don't know if it's persuasive, but an argument to make certainly is not to be dismissed on its face. But defense counsel has no argument to make on the failure to register as a foreign agent, which in my view would drag in his daddy as a co-conspirator who knew that his son was doing foreign business, who helped him do foreign business, even if he didn't receive one damn red cent, CNN and MSNBC, it would still be a federal offense. So that's the beginning and the end of it. The rest of it's speculation. So I, I don't want to spend forever on it, but the rest of it is speculation. But there are other things going on in the country, a lot of other things. You want to know why Donald Trump can't get a fair break in front of any of these Democrat judges? Take a look at New York today, just today. New York judge, writes Newsmax, denies Trump request to delay trial. A New York state judge today denied Donald Trump's request to delay the start of a scheduled October 2 trial and Attorney General Letitia James' civil fraud lawsuit, <coughs> excuse me, accusing the former president, his family, and the Trump organization of inflating the value of his assets. Now, why couldn't the judge put that off? Well, he could have. Judge Arthur F. Engeron is a Democrat hack. He could have easily put it off. Trump's lawyers late Tuesday asked the judge to briefly delay the trial until three weeks. Just three weeks. After he ruled on both sides' requests for summary judgments, which seek victory on various legal issues without the need for a trial. A trial of this magnitude should not begin in chaos, his attorneys wrote. The court and the defendants are entitled to know the claims and issues to be tried sufficiently in advance to prepare adequately for trial. Now, let's step back. So you have motions for summary judgment by both sides. In other words, we win. You look at the law. You look at the facts. There's no way we can lose. That's prosecution. Defense says, we win. Look at the law and the facts. There's no way they can win. So these motions are filed, and they're waiting for the judge to issue his ruling. And so rationally, logically, Donald Trump's lawyers say, well, until you rule on this, how are we even supposed to prepare for this trial? They said, so let's, let's wait three weeks till you decide these, these decisions. These are momentous. Judge says, no, let's start the trial. Let's start the trial. Isn't that amazing? Now, maybe I went to Temple University Law School, but I think I got a pretty good legal education. And whether I did or not, I've been practicing law now, let's see, since I was 23. Soon to be 43 years. Going to be 66 soon. That's frightening. But nonetheless, I've never heard of an idiot judge who would rule like this. No, I never have. 
In a separate filing, Trump also asked that James withdraw what he called her frivolous motion to sanction the defendants and their lawyers $20,000 for continuing to raise arguments that the judge has rejected. James is seeking at least a quarter of a billion dollars and to bar Trump and his sons from leading their family business. If you're running a business in New York and you're Republican, you better get the hell out of there. You better get the hell out. What's the point? You have to hope you're not mugged on your way to your office. They're taxing the crap out of you. They're auditing you endlessly. They're looking for for ways to drag you into court where you can spend the next 10 years of your life, maybe even into prison. The Attorney General of New York should be disbarred. She ran for that post, as you know. Ran for that post. Telling voters, would-be voters, that she was going to indict Donald Trump. But apparently in New York, that's okay. It's okay to do that. If you're a Democrat. Apparently, according to the New York City Bar, the New York State Bar, the highest court in New York, go for it. It's all right. Let's move on. Back to New York City. Same day. A federal judge found Trump liable for defaming the writer E. Jean Carroll by denying in 2019 that he had raped her and said jurors will decide only how much Trump owes in damages. So there the judge did, in effect, issue a summary judgment and said to Trump before trial, guilty. Guilty. There's nothing you can say that allows you to really defend yourself. What you did is indefensible. You're guilty. Now we're going to have a trial on how much you owe. What? Oh, yes. What do you think of that, Mr. Producer? So this is the E. Jean Carroll defamation case. The judge rules on his own from the bench that Trump is guilty. Judge Lewis Kaplan, another leftist, said the upcoming trial for Carroll's civil lawsuit against Trump will only deal with the question of how much the former president should pay her monetary damages. Now, you know, in May, a Manhattan federal court, a jury ruled that no Donald Trump is not found guilty of rape. And yet that's all he was accused of. They said, but he did sexually abuse Carol. A lesser included offense? No, it's not a lesser included offense on rape. In fact, ladies and gentlemen, it wasn't even an allegation in the case. It was rape or no rape. But the jury decided to split the baby. They didn't see enough evidence for rape, but they feel he must have sexually abused her. Donald Trump says, I've never met that woman in my life. This case is brought years and years and years after the alleged the alleged non-rape occurred because New York changed its, its statute of limitations as applies to these kinds of allegations. And as has been reported, 
Ms. Carroll met George Conway at some event, some party. Apparently they were talking, and as I understand it from some report, you can check it or not, Conway said, well, you still have a case. She seemed a little flustered and surprised. And then somehow, a Democrat donor, one or more, decided to help fund her litigation. And that's how that case got off the ground. The allegation goes back to the mid-1990s. Mid-1990s, America. So Trump is guilty, they find, of of, uh, not rape, but of some kind of uh, sexual abuse. And then he's, he lashes out again, and she says, okay, I'm suing you a second time. And apparently when she made her comments public in 2019, when she went public with her rape allegations. So federal judge Lewis Kaplan, a leftist, he rules, there's no point in having a trial on the facts here. I mean... Trump did what he did. I'm looking at the record. I'm looking at the filings. Guilty. You're guilty. 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 And we are going to have a trial, but really to determine how much you're going to pay this woman. What do you think of that, America? You won't hear that explained anywhere else in the country. TV, radio, shortwave radio. Flying pigeon, you won't hear a damn thing about this. Not as I've explained it, because it's sickening. Now on to the criminal cases, right? Can't wait for those, can we? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know what helps me sleep well at night? Physical gold. I'm concerned about what the Biden administration is doing, and I've decided to learn more about gold IRAs to help me diversify. Did you know you can buy gold for your IRA or 401k? Gold can't be tracked like digital currency. No one has to know what you're buying, and there's no way to print more. My best resource for gold IRAs is Augusta Precious Metals. Their track record is no less than phenomenal. Learn why thousands of Americans are getting gold IRAs as part of the retirement portfolios, and you need to contact Augusta Precious Metals and get their free guide. I'm serious. Text LEVIN to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. LEVIN to 68592 or go to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. That's AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. And I'm reading about all these New York City billionaires who used to slobber all over Rudy Giuliani. Langone, among others. Thought how he'd be the greatest president since Abraham Lincoln. And they backed him and they gave their donations. They did this or that. And so CNBC 
really trying to put a saber in Giuliani's back like the rest of the media when it comes to any of us. They contacted a number of them who said, no, we won't be helping him now. And one of them was a nasty SOB. Not Lane Gone. If I could find the guy's name, I would uh, share. Oh, Leon Cooperman, whoever the hell that is. I wouldn't give him a nickel, he says. I'm very negative on Donald Trump. It's an American tragedy. He was America's mayor. He did a great job. And like everybody else who gets involved with Trump, it turns into S. So you're not going to help somebody who was your friend, who was America's mayor, who's fighting off a totally bogus lawsuit in Georgia? Now, that's what Republican billionaires do. But to his credit, in this same article, and I say credit, is Castanamides, Mr. Producer, who has this uh, love affair, I think, with Cuomo, for reasons I do not understand. However, he also has this love affair with Giuliani, who he has on his radio station, my WABC station. And Castanamidi said he's committing to helping the former mayor with his legal bills. I probably will, he said. We pay him a lot of money to work for WABC. I think people should help Rudy Giuliani. The people who supported him in the past and liked him, the people who should help him. Well, that's a class statement. Good for him. The other three or four billionaires they spoke to threw him under the bus. That is Rudy under the bus. I won't be throwing Rudy under the bus, not here, not anywhere. When people are down on their luck, and you have a government that's completely out of control, that's trying to take lawyers and break their backs, destroy attorney-client privilege, crush them financially, bankrupt them financially, well, you don't have due process then in this country because you don't have legal representation depending on who you are. That's what these New York City billionaires don't get. Maybe one or two do, but most of them don't. I'll be right back. You know what helps me sleep well at night? Physical gold. I'm concerned about what the Biden administration is doing, and I've decided to learn more about gold IRAs to help me diversify. Did you know you can buy gold for your IRA or 401k? Gold can't be tracked like digital currency. No one has to know what you're buying, and there's no way to print more. My best resource for gold IRAs is Augusta Precious Metals. Their track record is no less than phenomenal. Learn why thousands of Americans are getting gold IRAs as part of the retirement portfolios and you need to contact Augusta Precious Metals and get their free guide. I'm serious. Text LEVIN to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. LEVIN to 68592 or go to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. That's AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Mark Levin, radio's hell-raising intellectual. Call now, 877-381-3811. Don't forget the fantastic new book, my best book ever, according to everybody who's been reading pre-publication copies. The Democrat Party Hates America, 
I see we're at the very bottom of the top 100 list on Amazon, even though we're talking about pre-orders and those books have been released for the most part. Starting next Friday, I believe it is, um, the uh, program, the Hannity program, the full hour, will be interview an interview of me and the book, The Democrat Party Hates America. I want to encourage you to try and get in before that. I don't know if the 40% discount will go away or not. I honestly do not know. I've seen both happen. That's number one. Number two, you can get that on Amazon, 40% off. But also, I think you'd prefer a first edition copy. They're already printing second editions. And uh, Hannity has said it is the most brutal takedown ever of the Democrat Party. That's not me. That's him. And I'm going to tell you something. It's an obliteration. It's an evisceration. Using history. Using philosophy. Using facts. Using facts and information that most people don't know about that I had to dig out. Wait until you hear about Franklin Roosevelt. Wait until you hear about Lyndon Johnson. Wait till you hear about Woodrow Wilson. What do you hear about Joe Kennedy Sr.? Wait till you hear about Hakeem Jeffries. What do you hear about all of them? What do you hear about the Democrat Party after Marx? Late 1800s, early 1900s. And eugenics. Wait till you hear about who heard about what the Democrat Party and their surrogates were saying about eugenics over there in Germany. Wait till you hear about how Franklin Roosevelt treated the blacks. Wait till you hear about how Woodrow Wilson treated the blacks. Wait till you hear about how Lyndon Johnson treated the blacks. Wait till you hear about more facts about Joe Biden and how he used to treat blacks. Wait until you hear about how the Democrat Party treated Jews. All through the Holocaust. And their institutions, the Harvard University and Yale College. Wait till you hear about how they treated Jews before they discriminated against Asians. Wait till you hear about how Franklin Roosevelt didn't raise a finger to help black Americans. And how Lyndon Johnson, he didn't have a a moral conversion. He was a racist through and through. Wait till you hear about all of it. Wait till you read about the, the Democrat Party Marxists who go back a hundred years. Wait till you hear about the Democrat Party Marxists today and the war on capitalism. How they want to change the language. Their role in changing the language. Wait till you hear about it. Wait till you hear about a subject you're not allowed to talk about. Democrat Party racism against Caucasians now. How did that happen? 
When did that start? Why did it start? Where did that come from? Wait till you read about how I eviscerate the 1619 Project and its prime author. What do you hear about how I eviscerate CRT, the mutilation of our children, censorship, the attack on the Bill of Rights? Wait till you hear it all. Wait till you read it all. Names, dates, events, all of it. All of it. Wait till you have a fuller understanding from soup to nuts on the revolution that swirls around us, is devouring us, is devouring our culture, including our religious institutions. Wait till you read about it and hear about it. Wokeism. What a passive word, wokeism. It's totalitarianism. That's what it is. Joe Rogan and Bill Maher. Still liberals? Raising questions. They truly need to educate themselves. About what's been going on in this country. And who's behind it. And have the guts... The guts to join we constitutional conservatives. That's right. I said conservatives. What do you read about what's going on in immigration? Their numbers are not only worse than you know. The crimes are not only worse than you know. The politics is not only worse than you know. This is pure evil. As I explain. Intentional Purposeful, pure evil. Wait till you read about the corporatists and how they're destroying capitalism and free speech and are the playthings of the Democrat Party as they were in the 1940s. What do you read about? Hear about, see the role the media are playing in ways you never looked at before. We don't have a free press. We have a press that is free to destroy America. That's not the same as a free press. Wait till you read about in chapter one the Democrat Party and authoritarianism. And page by page, fact by fact, Unequivocal evidence piled on to unequivocal evidence of how the Democrat Party model today is the model of communist parties all over the world. I hold back nothing. This is the unvarnished truth. All the propaganda that's gone on for decades. The big lies that have been repeated time and time again to brainwash the population. Perhaps including many of you. Margaret Sanger. 
abortion, eugenics. You'll know more about the court system and the Supreme Court than you ever knew before. There's a reason why this is the most powerful book I've ever written. 20 years of writing. It's also the longest book I've ever written. It also has more endnotes than any book I've ever written. But it's also in plain English. It's the easiest to read of all my books. It's up there with liberty and tyranny. And it flows like a novel, but it's anything but a novel. It's anything but a novel. And by the time you're done reading this book, if you're not a zombie ideologue of the left or an operative of the Democrat Party or a paid mouthpiece of the Democrat Party or an elected hack of the Democrat Party, even if you're a Democrat, even if you're an independent, even if you're unaffiliated, certainly if you're a Republican, you're going to know exactly what to believe and think when it comes to the Democrat Party when you have completed this book. I wish I could get it into the hands for free to everybody. The black community, the Hispanic community, the Asian community. I wish I could get it out to everybody and just start one chapter at a time. One chapter at a time. One page of one chapter at a time. And you'll have difficulty putting it down. That's what I'm told. I make the prosecutor's case without being a prosecutor or writing like a prosecutor. There are very few redeeming values of the Democrat Party, despite all the propaganda they get from free media and also paid media during campaigns and so forth. But that's because the Democrat Party media are the state media, like in any other fascistic or Marxist society. You could see that with Philip Bump the other day. But he's, he's a pimple on a donkey's ass. These people marry each other. They cheat on each other. They throw parties for each other. They give awards to each other. Washington, D.C., New York City, Los Angeles, California. These people have nothing in common with you. Zero. The corporatists that own these so-called news platforms, they have nothing in common with you. Zero. These are many of the same corporations... That's censored during World War II, the Holocaust. The New York Times is one of the most grotesque corporate entities to ever have been founded or to exist. Its ownership, the people who work for it today, have tons of blood on their hands. 
in promoting a corporation that under any moral system should cease to exist. It doesn't believe in freedom of the press when it is the greatest corporate entity that committed the greatest act of censorship in human history. How is that a free press? How is it that they have a leading correspondent in Moscow who is a mouthpiece for Stalin and covers up the slaughter of the Ukrainians? How is it that they have a leading correspondent in Berlin during World War II and the Third Reich who covers up for Adolf Hitler? How is it that they sent a reporter to the island of Cuba who helped Castro impose his communist dictatorship in that country? How does a corporation like that, that's what it is, a corporation like this, continue to exist? And people are proud to be columnists for this newspaper for this corporation. They're proud to be reporters for this corporation. They're proud to receive Pulitzer Prizes and other self-aggrandizing prizes these inbreds hand to each other for reporting at the New York Times. The paper record. All the news that's fit to print. And it has spawned papers like the Washington Post, like the L.A. Times. It has spawned papers like the Boston Globe. It has spawned the likes of MSNBC and CNN, where the reporters make regular appearances. All of which are owned by big corporatists now. CNN and MSNBC. Yes, you will learn a lot. I've tried my best over the course of the last 60 days or so to give you a taste of what's in this book. I hope I haven't failed. Chapter 1, The Democrat Party and Authoritarianism. Chapter 2, Anti-Black Racism and Anti-Semitism. Chapter 3, Anti-White Racism and Anti-Semitism. Chapter 4, Language Control and Thought Control. Chapter 5, War on the American Citizen, a crucial chapter. Chapter 6, War on the Nuclear Family, another crucial chapter. Chapter 7, War on the Constitution, they're all crucial. Chapter 8, Stalin would be proud. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know what helps me sleep well at night? Physical gold. I'm concerned about what the Biden administration is doing, and I've decided to learn more about gold IRAs to help me diversify. Did you know you can buy gold for your IRA or 401k? Gold can't be tracked like digital currency. No one has to know what you're buying, and there's no way to print more. My best resource for gold IRAs is Augusta Precious Metals. Their track record is no less than phenomenal. Learn why thousands of Americans are getting gold IRAs as part of the retirement portfolios 
shows, and you need to contact Augusta Precious Metals and get their free guide. I'm serious. Text LEVIN to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. LEVIN to 68592, or go to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. That's AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. In fact, ask yourself a question, America. I do explain this in the book. What has Joe Biden done for black Americans? This president of the United States, absolutely nothing. What has he done for Asian Americans? He has supported those institutions that have supported segregation against Asian Americans. What has he done for Jewish Americans? He is single-handedly in the midst of destroying Israel by effectively making it possible for Iran to have nuclear weapons, among a thousand other things. What has he done for unions in this country? The border is wide open. Those aren't union members flowing across. Those are illegal aliens who are displacing American citizens, American workers. You see, it's always a lie with the Democrat Party. So it's necessary to slow down and unravel it all. I will be on Hannity tonight at around 9.15 p.m. Eastern Time, maybe 9.20, who cares, give or take. But I will be there. I hope you'll join us. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811. I will be on Hannity tonight. 9.15, p.m. Eastern in that ballpark. Um, hope you'll be able to watch. I wanted to talk to you just to pick up one point from yesterday where we spent a lot of time talking about the economic destitution and impoverishment that is being imposed on us in a way that at some point we will not be able to climb out from under this by politicians, frankly, in both parties, mostly the Democrat Party, but with Republicans aiding and abetting. So let me first start with Mitch McConnell and make this point, which I think is related. The Republican Party in the Senate has failed us over and over and over again. Or mark the judiciary. That's funny. Is all is that all the Senate Republicans are 
are supposed to be working on the judiciary every now and then. And they're doing a hell of a crappy job at that. Joe Biden has appointed more judges at this time. More than the presidencies of Donald Trump. Barack Obama. Either Bush. Clinton. Reagan. Carter. Nixon. Going back. 60 years. The Democrats have a bare-bones majority in the Senate. How are they getting away with this? They started the use of the filibuster against judicial candidates. Really, under George H.W. Bush. So how is it that the Senate Judiciary Committee... They get these nominees through and that the Republicans on the floor of the Senate aren't preventing this. How can that be? Because they're cowards. They're cowards. I don't want to hear about their strength when it comes to the judiciary. Oh, but Mark, look at the Supreme Court. The Republicans in the Senate have given us crappy Republican justices and great Republican justices. It's really been up to the nominee, the president, and they decide if they're going to fight to get them confirmed. But Mark Mitch McConnell kept Merrick Garland off the court. He didn't keep Sotomayor off the court. He didn't keep her off the court. And she's not only a fool, she's a crook. But enough of that. What else have they done for us lately? Mitch McConnell, 17 Republicans, voted on that infrastructure bill. Remember that? It's a trillion dollars. That certainly added to inflation. No question about it. What have they done to secure the border? Any riders, any amendments on any legislation? None. None backed by Mitch McConnell. None backed by Mitch McConnell. The legislative genius doesn't appear to be able to legislate himself out of a paper bag. The board is out of control. What has he done? Nothing. Spending's out of control. What has he done? Contributed to it. Even now, he wants a short-term spending resolution. He doesn't want to take on the Democrats. He doesn't want to take on Biden. But it's the only way you can get spending under control. There is no other way. These people spend like drunken Marxists. Is it too much? They ask them to stand up and fight? Maybe in the end they'll lose, but stand up and fight! Apparently it is. You'll remember the last time we had somebody do that was Ted Cruz. I believe it was 2013. He was viciously and horribly attacked by McConnell and his media and his fellow rhinos. He was attacked by the Wall Street Journal editorial page. He was attacked by the National Review. 
He's attacked by pseudo-conservative, even conservative media. 36 days. Must have been very lonely. Very lonely. In any event, we look at the national debt. We talked about this, just the news. Interest on national debt on pace to eclipse entitlements, defense spending, amid funding battles. I thought it was necessary to add a little bit more to this from yesterday. Criticism of sustained deficit spending prompted House Republicans earlier this year to pressure the White House to make budgetary concessions in the Fiscal Responsibility Act that aim to address the nation's runaway spending. The debt service may soon exceed that of major allocations. Now, I want to remind you that for several decades now, interest rates had been at 2%, 3%, 2.5%, 4% was considered high. Now it's above 7% and climbing. Why? Because a monetary policy intended to try and breach inflation because of fiscal spending policy and endless borrowing and therefore printing of paper money effectively, which has driven up interest rates. In other words, spending and more spending and more spending to the point of $2 trillion deficit in 2023 on top of a $1 trillion deficit last year. And we're not even at war. Sustained deficit spending by the U.S. government helped push the national debt up to a jaw-dropping $31.38 trillion in 2023, according to the U.S. Treasury. Fiscal watchdogs are now predicting that the interest alone on that debt will soon eclipse both entitlements and defense spending as a major component of the annual budget. See, they were able to camouflage this for the longest time because of low interest rates. At the same time, the national debt is at a record high. Interest payments in mid-2022 stood at just under $600 billion, according to a report from the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget. Now, that report outlines the challenges that face the next administration. It projects that such payments will exceed the combined costs of Medicaid, food stamps, Social Security income in late 2023. Varies based on interest rates, but not much. So the expense on interest in the next administration will exceed the combined costs of Medicaid, food stamps, and Social Security income. Debt service, uh, service is projected to exceed the total amount of defense spending either later this year or in 2026. Again, contingent on interest rates. So anytime, either later this year or into 2026 or in between, interest rates, that is the debt on to pay interest, will be so high. It'll be bigger than the entire defense budget. 
a 10-year Treasury note, which in 2021 came with just under a 1% interest rate. That figure now sits at 4.3. You see, those low interest rates were, were set illegitimately, I would argue, by the Fed. And that was just the, uh, just the fuel needed by the big spenders in Congress. So in other words, the Fed has not done its job, which is to ensure sound money. The Fed has been the drug dealer to the drug addicts in Congress, that is, the spending addicts in Congress. Debt service is projected to exceed defense spending, as I said. Mortgage rates, which are at an all-time high, have been predicted to remain high as well. Fannie Mae says it doesn't expect rates to drop below 6% until the fourth quarter in 2024. I don't believe that for two seconds. Analyst from Rocket Mortgage says the that during the Trump administration years, the average rate for a 30-year fixed mortgage was 3.7%. It's working. Binomics is working. Now, you know the man's insane. Now, the issues of rising debt and rising interest rates clash head-on with major spending packages spearheaded by the Biden regime and the Democrats in Congress, including the 2021 American Rescue Plan, and the 2022 Inflation Reduction Act, which saw the government authorize $1.9 trillion and $740 billion in federal spending and additional ordinary budget expenses. It's funny how nobody holds McConnell and the others who voted for this monstrosity responsible on the Republican side. It's amazing. Criticism of sustained deficit spending prompted House Republicans earlier in the year to pressure the White House to make budgetary concessions. GOP budget hawks are largely unsatisfied with the concessions House Speaker McCarthy managed to wrest from the administration at that time. The Biden administration, however, has largely depended on spending more and more on entitlements to bolster its support among demographics like key Democrat voters. Georgia Republican Marjorie Teller Greene indicated that she would not support the administration's funding requests and so forth. In a separate interview on the program, meaning just the news, National Taxpayers Union Executive Vice President Brandon Arnold forecast a tense exchange over the funding deputy disputes, rather, but warned Republicans to formulate a winning strategy should they opt for a government shutdown, noting the Republicans have failed to secure concessions through such an approach before. And that is a problem. So when we have some of the better conservatives saying, we're going to shut down, the, but you've got to come up with arguments where you don't sound like a CPA or an actuary. And they're simple. The Democrat Party budget will destroy working Americans. It will destroy people on fixed incomes. It will double, triple expenses that you need to survive. It will continue to drive up the cost of food, continue to drive up the cost of fuel and utilities, make home buying impossible, drive up the cost of rents. Go through it, explain it. It's not hard. 
and then turn the tables. The Democrat Party is the party that stands for the bureaucrats. The billionaires who made their billions off of government. Why is this so hard, Mr. Producer? Do you ever wonder to yourself how these people ever get elected to high offices? It, it really is unbelievable. It's like the abortion debate. They're on their heels. They don't know what to say. Here's the easy answer. The Democrat Party believes not only in abortion on demand, they believe abortion in the last moments before birth. They believe in aborting babies. They believe in infanticide. And when they say they don't, they're liars. Here's the proof. And then pull out the bill that they voted for. Right after the Dobbs decision was issued. That's all. This isn't just about babies in the womb. This is about babies coming out of the womb. And in some cases, baby outside, babies outside the womb. Make them explain themselves. Other than, That's not true. Oh, yeah? Well, let me demonstrate to you that it is. What about it? Now, every time this happens, the Democrats think they have the upper hand. Because they'll go through the litany of programs that they'll claim will be shut down and cut. And they get help from McConnell who says he will not allow the country to go bankrupt. First of all, for the four billionth time on this program, the country can't go bankrupt. Well, it can, technically. When the government shuts down, the faucet for your taxpaying dollars stays open. So they continue to receive approximately $350 billion, about that amount, every single month. It's probably more than that by now. Probably closer to $400 billion. So all they have to do is trim their sales. But they won't. They don't care if you go broke. They don't get their power from you. They get their power from the bureaucrats. They write the laws of this country. That impose the regulations, the interests, the penalties. Even sometimes prison sentences. The bigger, the bigger the bureaucracy, the more and more powerful, more and more of them are armed. The courts back the bureaucracy, so they know. The bureaucracy never takes a cut, ever. Certainly not a permanent one. Never, ever. The question is just how much is the increase, not the reduction. I'll be right back. Lovin. Is your cell phone in desperate need of replacement? You know the signs, right? Short battery life, so you have to have a charger on hand. Crack screen that gives you glass splinters. Ouch. It's time to put that old phone to rest and upgrade to a new 5G Samsung Galaxy from Pure Talk for free. Get a free 5G Samsung Galaxy with two-day battery life, edge-to-edge display, and ultra-strong Gorilla Glass. When you sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, text, and 15-gig data plan for just 35 bucks a month, plus it comes with mobile hotspot. Get all the data you could ever need for half the price of the big carriers on America's most dependable 5G network. Make the switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk, today. Just dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin for your free, super durable 5G Samsung Galaxy when you switch to Pure Talk. Dial pound 250, say Mark Levin. Pure Talk, simply smarter wireless. 
the Anti-Defamation League, as you know, I've been criticizing it since it was taken over by an Obama radical Marxist, in my view, does not represent the Jewish people. It represents the radical left. And I want to thank Mort Klein, the fantastic leader of ZOA, Zionists of America, year after year for outing this organization for what it is. It doesn't even support Israel, let alone the Jewish community. It doesn't even support the Jewish state. It supports the Democrat Party positions, which are anti-Israel. And I like the way David Harsani has put it at the Federalist. He says, the ADL isn't a Jewish organization in any genuine ethnic or theological sense. Its primary mission is no longer to stop the defamation of Jews. The ADL CEO, Jonathan Greenblatt, a former Barack Obama appointee, who often appears on MSNBC to chat it up with anti-Semite Al Sharpton, has created a partisan left social justice outfit. Its primary goal these days is cynically using the organization's historical position to advance often illiberal, completely irreligious leftist ideas. And one of the ways it does this is by dishonestly framing an endorsement of free expression as an endorsement of the things people say using free expression, including anti-Semitism. That's what it has done with Elon Musk. So it would be no surprise if the ADL were leading a politically motivated boycott effort. I would finish this piece because between the Anti-Defamation League, Thomas Friedman, uh, the J6 organization, Jews in Israel don't have a chance with these reprobates. I'll be back. Is your cell phone in desperate need of replacement? You know the signs, right? Short battery life, so you have to have a charger on hand. Crack screen that gives you glass splinters. Ouch. It's time to put that old phone to rest and upgrade to a new 5G Samsung Galaxy from Pure Talk for free. Get a free 5G Samsung Galaxy with two-day battery life, edge-to-edge display, and ultra-strong Gorilla Glass. When you sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, text, and 15-gig data plan for just 35 bucks a month, plus it comes with mobile hotspot. Get all the data you could ever need for half the price of the big carriers on America's most dependable 5G network. Make the switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk, today. Just dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin for your free, super durable 5G Samsung Galaxy when you switch to Pure Talk. Dial pound 250, say Mark Levin. Pure Talk, simply smarter wireless. The Mark Levin Show, the pool feed for the conservative media. Dive in now, 877-381-3811. I'm not whining, but every day around here, it's just so busy. At uh, the Levin household, radio, TV, Blaze. I don't have time for anything. We have people who are so kind and generous asking me to come on their various shows and so forth. I, just, I can't even find five minutes. Um, one of them is Glenn Beck, a dear friend. I, I believe I'll be on his radio show next week briefly. Uh, just because he's a buddy. I can do this at night with Hannity tonight because tonight's a different story. But the rest of the week is just as brutal. 
I get a little breathing room next week. And then the big launch, which is going to occur. I hope you'll participate. I want to get back to this, and I need to start over. Nothing worse than when a host kind of blows the the clock and the break, and he's in the middle of a story. As I was saying, the Anti-Defamation League, the ADL, as writes David Arsani, one of the best writers, by the way, isn't a Jewish organization in any genuine ethnic or theological sense. Its primary mission is no longer to stop the defamation of Jews. The ADL CEO, Jonathan Greenblatt, a former Barack Obama appointee, who often appears on MSNBC to chat it up with anti-Semite Al Sharpton, and by the way, who's embraced, a, embraced critical race theory and, and the big individuals behind those efforts and has come to their defense, has created a partisan leftist social justice outfit. And its primary goal these days is cynically using the organization's historical position to advance often illiberal, completely irreligious, leftist ideas. And I pointed out earlier, I wanted to salute my buddy, Mort Klein, who really is uh, fantastic. He's the head muckety-muck over at ZOA, who's been going at it with this fool for years. One of the ways it does this is by dishonestly framing an endorsement of free expression as an endorsement of the things people say using free expression, including anti-Semitism. That's what it's done with Elon Musk. So it would be no surprise if the ADL were leading a politically motivated boycott effort. Of course, they all hate Musk now, don't they, America? Under criminal investigation, SEC investigation, for what? Musk, for example, contends that the ADL wants him to ban the libs of TikTok, a popular account run by an Orthodox Jew, Chaya Rachik, who gained fame by reposting real leftists saying real things. Certainly plausible, considering the ADL already has an entry for Rachik in its glossary of terms. Now, I'm not a big fan of nitpicking, but I haven't seen anything in her feed that could be rationally construed as anti-Semitic, and here she is, an Orthodox Jew. And that speaks to the problem of who gets to decide what hate speech entails. For Greenblatt, who worked to get Tucker Carlson fired but can barely muster a word of disapproval, for Jew baiters like Rashida Tlaib or any other elected progressive, hate speech is a finely tuned political weapon. The ADL has spent years exaggerating the threat of anti-Semitism on the right, finding offense not only in demonstrably ugly speech, but also in an endless number of dog whistles, including criticisms of a leftist mega-donor George Soros, who I despise. At the same time, it gives perfunctory attention, but mostly ignores the threat and normalization of anti-Jewish sentiment among leftists on college campuses within activist movements and in the government. Don't think of it as a double standard. Think of it as the ADL as a run-of-the-mill activist shop, something akin to the Southern Poverty Law Center. And it makes complete sense. You only need to look at the organization's educational recommendations 
to understand that its worldview is detached from any traditional understanding of Judaism. One strongly doubts the founders of the ADL could have foreseen their organization endorsing the idea that Jews were among the racial oppressors of American society. Yet the ADL school curricula and readings on race and racism, I told you, are littered with tracts, identitarian tracts, like How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibrahim K. Kendi, a fan of a number of brazen anti-Semites, and White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo. How can the ADL claim to fight against the defamation of the Jewish people and recommend authors who insinuate are worse that Jews represent a disproportionate amount of power in the United States, one of the most enduring tropes of anti-Semitism? The ADL also recommends the pseudo-historical 1619 Project and the podcast, The Urgency of Intersectionality by Kimberly Crenshaw. You're all familiar with these people if you read American Marxism. A leading scholar of critical race theory, the teachings of which are also inherently anti-Jewish. How come the ADL doesn't recommend it? American Marxism. Ah. Because the head of the ADL is an Obamaite. What does that suggest to you? Well, look what he's embracing. The American Marxist agenda. He's a phony, a fraud, and a reprobate. He's supposed to be representing... The Anti-Defamation League, not the Jewish Defamation League. I'm not saying that many, maybe most American Jews don't agree with the ideological outlook of the ADL, but many do not. Nothing in Judaism teaches that our immutable appearances predetermine our societal role, actions, or worth. Why is a group claiming to fight Jewish defamation spreading trendy ideological puffery? Because it is not what it says it is. Now the ADL, self-anointed arbiter of anti-Semitism, is certainly useful in providing lazy journalists with quotes confirming pre-existing notions about anti-Semitism being largely a right-wing phenomenon. And risk-averse corporations might use them for guidance. But it has no moral standing to dictate appropriate speech, certainly not in the name of Jews. And that David Harson, he's senior editor at the Federalist, 100% right. It's a great piece. There's really only a handful of us, conservative Jews, who are willing to speak out. And I say a handful, several dozens, but that's about it. But I don't care. I call them as I see them. I call them as I see them. It's a handful of us. Dennis Prager. Ben Shapiro. Obviously, Mort Klein. Obvious, David Harsani. My buddy David Freeman, the former ambassador to Israel from the United States, will be in the program next hour to talk about a fantastic a movie coming out that Jews and Christians, and I would say Muslims, are going to really, really appreciate. There are others. My own kids. David. Lauren. Jenna. Chase. Of course, my wife, Julie. But many others. But not enough to outnumber these people. Thomas Friedman's another perfect example. Thomas Friedman would rather see Israel 
burned down. Burned to the ground. Then another minute of Netanyahu's leadership. All of you of faith, you have people like this within your own religions. Catholics, you have Joe Biden. He's a heretic. There's no other way to put it. It's what he is. Nancy Pelosi, the same damn thing. And there are others in other faiths. Same thing. It's not that they have to believe like you. It's not that they have to take a hard line or accept every syllable of every word in their, in their most important books. But if they're self-hating and they're projecting that self-hate or the people who practice that faith, and they're encouraging others of other faiths to do the same thing in their own faith and against their own faith. That's pretty sick. That's derangement. And that's, in my view, Thomas Friedman, this guy Greenblatt, all the creeps with the J6 group, and there's more than that. There's much more than that. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Is your cell phone in desperate need of replacement? You know the signs, right? Short battery life, so you have to have a charger on hand. Crack screen that gives you glass splinters. Ouch. It's time to put that old phone to rest and upgrade to a new 5G Samsung Galaxy from Pure Talk for free. Get a free 5G Samsung Galaxy with two-day battery life, edge-to-edge display, and ultra-strong Gorilla Glass. When you sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, text, and 15-gig data plan for just 35 bucks a month. Plus, it comes with mobile hotspot. Get all the data you could ever need for half the price of the big carriers on America's most dependable 5G network. Make the switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk, today. Just dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin for your free, super durable 5G Samsung Galaxy when you switch to Pure Talk. Dial pound 250, say Mark Levin. Pure Talk, simply smarter wireless. I'm calling on the ADL's Greenblatt to resign. He's destroyed the ADL in many ways. He's anti-Israel. And uh, he has used the institution to push, uh, you know, Democrat Party propaganda and radical Marxism. So Greenblatt, the head of the ADL, has destroyed that organization. He should resign. People who really care about what that organization used to stand for should be encouraged to try and rebuild it. Uh, The idea they're promoting critical race theory, anti-white racism, a Marxist agenda, the Democrat Party agenda, Attacking Republicans, attacking conservatives, trying to throw them in with real anti-Semites, while mostly silent when it comes to the Democrat Party anti-Semites and the anti-Semites in the media. This guy Greenblatt is a hemorrhoid on the body politic. He is undermining 
the purpose of the ADL. He's undermining the state of Israel. And honestly, he's undermining the United States. He's a propagandist. So I'm calling on the ADL's CEO, Greenblatt, to resign. And Mr. Greenblatt, if you'd like to come on this program and debate me, my credentials, if you'd like to debate me, Mr. Greenblatt, Mr. Producer, you make our airwaves available for that. Mr. Friedman, Thomas Friedman, the reprobate, not the great uh, uh, David Friedman. You too, buddy. You don't speak for all Jews either, except those who are self-hating. You're more than welcome to come on this program too. Because you're right for a newspaper that covered up the Holocaust, and that doesn't seem to bother you one whit. You also defended the communist Chinese regime. Oh, I remember, 15 or so years ago. You were jealous of their form of government. Really? And now look what they do. Round up Muslims by the boatload. And kill them. And torture them. And rape them. And enslave them. Yes. Time for a discussion, Mr. Friedman. Time for a debate. Rather than taking your sorry ass to audiences that cheer you and celebrate you, you're a disgrace. And by the way, you're barely literate. I don't know why you're getting awards for anything. You're barely literate, in my humble opinion, of course. Who else is there? Oh, J Street. J Street's where all the anti-Semites go to give speeches against Israel, by the way, and are applauded. This is a so-called Jewish organization. Israel's not allowed to be strong. Israel's not allowed to have a strong military. Israel's not allowed to have a free market economic system. Israel's not allowed to defend itself. Israel's not allowed to defend its sovereignty. No! J Street is like Omar and Talib. It's a joke. Not all, but most of these people, like many people in other religions, they're born into the religion. But they're not people of faith. Look, I'm a Reconstructionist Jew. What the hell was that? They invented it like 50 years ago. Reconstructionist. Oh, congratulations. What the hell are you talking about? And I've told you folks before, I was raised a so-called Reformed Jew. Now, there are conservatives, conservative-thinking people in Reformed Judaism, so I don't want to make that, that allegation, no question about it, but not enough. I went to Hebrew school twice a week on Wednesdays and Sundays. I went to temple Almost every week. I got honors awards for reading Hebrew. I went to Gratz College, mostly Reformed Jewish institution in Philadelphia. I learned almost nothing. Highly political. 
And so I did very well. But I wondered why I was doing it. So I'm no longer a Reformed Jew. I'll call myself a Chabad Jew. My Chabad rabbi, Chaim Cohen. There is no better. There are others who are great too, by the way. It's an Orthodox Jewish movement. I don't know what I am. I know what I'm not. I'm not much into the bureaucracy when it comes to religion, Mr. Producer. You got to stand this way. You got to look over there. You got to bend over here. You got to... I'm not into all that. I'm into the substance. The substance. All right, enough of that and enough of me. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Nikki Haley... Why doesn't Nikki Haley run on her eight-year record as governor of South Carolina? Honest to God. I assume she's proud of it. Well, then run on it. Give us ten things that you did were so fantastic. She is on the attack, which is great. It's gotten her some attention. I think she's gone from six points to eight or nine points, Mr. Producer. But it's not going to be enough. It just seems to me when you say that among others, Ron DeSantis is Trump light. Then, of course, the response to that is she's Bush light. How do her views really differ from those of George W. Bush or the Bush clan, such as Karl Rove? They love her. They love her over there, the uh, Wall Street Journal editorial page. They think she's fantastic. But she's not. She's not all that conservative. I'll just say it. She's just not. And I don't even disagree with her on Ukraine, by the way, but I'm putting that aside. Vivek Ramaswamy, I've given you my opinion on him. I think he's a fraud. This guy's done more business with communist China than I think Hunter Biden. And when it comes to foreign policy... He just wings it. He thinks he knows what you want to hear, and he wings it. It's not good enough for me. I don't want winging it. But it's very weird, these campaigns. Look at Pence. Pence turned into like a, uh, an angry science fiction uh, character. With the eyeballs popping out of the head, and the, the sharp teeth, the eye teeth, and the... Uh, and the spittle coming down your... This is now how I think of Pence. The Pence I used to know was Reagan-like. Not anymore. He's Christie-like. In fact, he's more Christie than Christie. He... He's got Trump in his brain. And he can't shake it. 
Plus, it's weird. He says the Trump-Pence team did this and the Trump-Pence team did that. And then he trashes Trump. Now, in his own mind, he's made the the distinction between policy and what happened on January 6th. But that's... It's not going to fly. As vice president, mostly you don't make policy. Everybody knows that. You know what the job of vice president is, Mr. Producer? The official congressional job, excuse me, constitutional job. It's the service, the president of the Senate, which they rarely do, because all they do is sit around, you know, and spit out uh, sun seeds. So what do they do? Go to funerals? They're there in case the president dies or becomes incapacitated. Other than that, they have no job. So he makes it like he's sitting in there with Trump setting policy. Trump set policy. Everybody knows Trump did what he wanted to do. He set his own policies. He didn't say, what does Mike Pence want me to do? I'm just being honest with you. And of course, his right-hand man, Mark Short, got his ass fired out of the White House, which is why he hates Trump. For among other reasons, that's one of them. Pence brought him back into the old executive office building as his right-hand man, and you can see why. The guy's on TV, that is short. And he, I won't even, I won't even say that. So, all these people are self-serving. If you even think you have a shot at defeating Trump, You run as an anti-Biden, not an anti-Trump. Just stay in a lane where you can be strong, specific, have a powerful message. You don't even have to get involved in the other stuff. You still probably don't have a chance, but you have a shot. And I think this is the mistake the guys at 2, 3, 4, 5, 6% are making right now. They're going to claw their way up on the back of Trump. No, they're not. None of them are. I don't know why Vivek Ramaswamy is running at all. I have no idea. If you really look at his background, it is troubling. Very troubling to me. And I am not going to make excuses for it. Period. Nor am I going to make excuses for Nikki Haley's gubernatorial record because she won't run on it and she won't even define it or explain it. Why? Chris Christie, he's got a new line down. He's the only one running for president in the Republican primaries who defeated a Democrat governor. What he fails to tell you is Corzine was corrupt up to his eyeballs, was unethical up to his eyeballs. Democrat Party members were turning against him. The major media in New Jersey were turning against him. He ran like the conquering king, the U.S. attorney. He doesn't have that anymore, and he's not running against Corzine. And if he was such a fantastic governor, the Republicans and most of the people in New Jersey don't think so now as they look back on the profound things that he did. Like what? I don't know. It's one of the highest taxed states in the country, still is, was when he was there. You know, I cut taxes. I don't give a damn what you did. It's got the among the highest taxes in the country. You're Republican. You keep invoking Reagan, too. But you're a Bush guy. You were never a Reagan guy. Bush guy. So most of these guys running as Reagan were Bush guys. Rhinos, Karl Rove guys. 
Asa Hutchinson can't even break 1%. The guy from North Dakota seems like a good guy. He can't break 1%. So they're gone. They're gone. It is funny to watch some of these guys. Tim Scott, I like Tim Scott. Very much. I think he did a few things that hurt him. Like like helped defeat a real conservative in Alaska by backing Lisa Murkowski, who's not just a rhino. She is a Benedict Arnold. She's more Democrat than Republican. She changed the voting system in Alaska to ensure her re-election with the backing of, of Mitch McConnell. Republicans aren't going to put up with that, certainly not on a national level. They're not going to support it. So if you endorse somebody who did that, you know, you're going to pay a price for it. And I think he is. I think that hurt him a lot. Unfortunately, I think it hurt him a lot. Who else was on that? DeSantis. There's another hurricane that's forming off the east coast of Florida here. I hate to tell people this. And that's where we have a home as well. Tropical Storm Lee strengthened into a hurricane today and is forecast to become an extremely dangerous hurricane by this weekend. Here's what they know. National Hurricane Center said in an update two hours ago, the Tropical Storm Lee had strengthened into a Category 1 hurricane already. The time the bulletin was released, the storm's maximum sustained winds of about 75 miles per hour were getting stronger. The storm is expected to become a major hurricane in a couple of days, says the Hurricane Center, as the storm intensifies at a steady to rapid pace. It may become a Category 4, a potentially catastrophic storm with sustained wind speeds of 130 to 156 miles an hour as it travels over warm water. Where is it heading? The storm is moving west-northwest at about 14 miles per hour. The National Hurricanes uh, Center said the path is expected to continue, the center said, with a slight reduction in forward speed over the weekend. It's headed for the east coast of Florida. It's expected to pass near the northern Leeward Islands and Puerto Rico this weekend. The Leeward Islands are a group of islands located where the Caribbean Sea meets the western Atlantic Ocean, include the U.S. Virgin Islands. The Lesser Antilles Islands may also see some impacts with the National Hurricane Center warning that the area may see some swells from the storm causing life-threatening surf conditions. To use a, uh, a climatologist phrase, Mr. B, this looks like a big mother. The probable scenario is it will track far enough north to bring just a brush of gusty winds and showers to the northern leeward islands. Well, if it hits the eastern side of Florida, now why am I bringing all this up? Well, for obvious reasons, it's a potential disastrous hurricane. But Governor DeSantis has been doing a tremendous job every time that state is walloped. Biden goes down to try and take credit. They attack DeSantis. His fellow Republicans running for the presidency attack DeSantis. 
because they're so desperate to be number two in case something happens to Trump that they don't care that this guy is a serious leader, whether you support him or not. But that's what he is. When it comes to hurricanes and tornadoes, when it comes to education, when it comes to corporatists and wokeism, when it comes to firing Soros elected prosecutors, when it comes to appointing constitutional conservatives to a Supreme Court, one issue after another, after another, after another. Mike Pence doesn't have that record as the governor of Indiana. Nikki Haley does not have that record as the governor of South Carolina. Chris Christie does not have that record as the governor of New Jersey. Chris Sununu does not have that record as the governor of New Hampshire. I'll be right back. Lovin. It is a pleasure to have a dear friend, a family friend on the program, Ambassador David Freeman. He was President Trump's ambassador to Israel from the United States, where all kinds of great things were accomplished from a relatively small group of individuals, including Ambassador Freeman. David, it's an honor and a pleasure to have you on the program. And I got to tell you, this movie that you and Pompeo and others have put together, Route 60, The Biblical Highway, um, I saw the uh, six, six and a half minute clip. I played it on my uh, Levin TV, Blaze TV program. I was spellbound by it. And uh, I wanted you to come on the program and talk about this a little bit because I think people need this. I think people are sick and tired of what's going on. I think they need a movie like this. And I can tell you on Tuesday, I believe you're going to be showing it to a limited number of people at the Bible Museum, and members of my family will be attending it. That's how important I think it is. In any event, how are you? And tell us about this. Mark, hi, thanks. It's great to be with you, and thank you for your your kind words. So uh, I'll tell you why we we made this movie. You know, when I got into government in uh, 2017, uh, one of the things I wanted to do as a diplomat was to explore uh, Judea and Samaria, you know, the, the place that most of the world calls the West Bank, but, you know, uh, Israel calls it Judea and Samaria, and theologically it's referred to as Judea and Samaria. I wanted to see it because it is the diplomatically, diplomatically the most sensitive uh, part uh, of Israel. It's, it's an area which, you know, there, there are many uh, disputes relating to it. I wanted to go there and see it and talk to the people, and the State Department said to me, absolutely not. You know, it was off limits to any American diplomat. Uh, and I, I didn't understand why. You know, I'm, I'm, a, uh, I'm a diplomat. I'm trying to, you know, resolve problems. I can't even go there. And what I uncovered was that there was this intentional self-imposed ignorance by the State Department uh, on the, about this crucial, you know, crucial area that somehow we would offend people if we traveled there and spoke to the 500,000 Israelis that live there or, or the Palestinians that live there. And so um, I broke that mold uh, pretty early on, and I traveled there. When, when Mike Pompeo became Secretary of State, uh, he endorsed that policy, and we traveled there together. And what we found there was, was so compelling and so important, and we wanted to bring it to, to a much larger audience. We wanted to bring it to the world because, you know, most people think of 
this, you know, this strip of land, you know, 6,000 miles away called the West Bank, and they think it's just a, a street fight between Israelis and Palestinians that's been going on for 100 years. Well, it's not. It's the land of the Bible. It's the land where Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, you know, Moses, King David, Jesus, where they walked, where they preached, where they ruled, um, where all of the biblical wisdom comes from, um, you know, where, you know, truths that are enduring, values that are, that are enduring and authentic that have, you know, animated our, the founders of our country to, you know, to, to write the Declaration of Independence, you know, it's all there in this area that nobody wants to look at, nobody wants to talk about, except just consider it some real estate dispute, and it's so much more. And so Mike and I, we went on this, you know, we call it Route 60 because the, um, it's the biblical spine of Israel. Route 60 is the road from Nazareth to Beersheba, and it is the road upon which or within, you know, a few uh, kilometers in any direction where almost all the great stories of the Bible take place. And we went from place to place to place, you know, against the advice of all the great, uh, the great pundits, you know, we went there uh, from place to place and we brought it, you know, to a, we brought it to, to a larger audience, hopefully to a very large audience. And it's not political. You know, we're not looking to, you know, tell people how to resolve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Well, what, we were, what we're asking them to do is just to care about this area. You know, people should care about Judea and Samaria. It is where the Bible was born. It's where the Christian faith was born. It's where the Jewish faith was born. It's where our Judeo-Christian values were born. And you have the opportunity, you know, through this film, or hopefully one day through you know, traveling there, you know, to put yourself back in time into the shoes of our greatest biblical heroes, to relive the great, you know, events of the Bible. And, and I'm telling you, you know, as, as somebody who studied the Bible my entire life, you know, studying the Bible is great, reading the Bible is great, but living the Bible, you know, walking that path is incredibly powerful. It, now, David takes, Friedman, we're going to take a break. Yeah. I want to bring you back. But before we go, if people want to find this movie, where do they go? They go to Route 60, R-O-U-T-E, the number 60.movie, and they can put in their zip code, find out what theater is playing it, and buy tickets. And we'll post that on all our social sites as well. We'll be right back with Ambassador Friedman. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Mark Levin. 
the thunder on the right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Well, it's a pleasure to have Ambassador David Freeman, the ambassador to Israel from the United States, probably the most successful ambassador in that part of the world in history. The movie is Route or Route 60. Uh, you can take a look at Route60.movie. You can enter your zip code and find out what theater it's playing in. I want to strongly encourage you to view it, uh, even if you're just curious. Now, uh, David Friedman, your father was a rabbi. You've been to Israel four billion times. You know that country almost like the back of your hand. And yet you said something earlier in the interview that was intriguing to me. Did you learn some new things in the course of you and Mike Pompeo really narrating what is this movie and the walk through these different uh, historic religious sites and so forth? Yeah, I did. I did because, you know, um, some of these places just are so off the beaten path and they don't get the attention they deserve. You know, I, I got to see something I'd never seen before. And you're right. I've been there a billion times. Uh, I got to visit the altar of Joshua when Joshua brought the Jewish nation across the Jordan River at the very earliest stages of the Jewish nation. He built an altar and he wrote his own Ten Commandments and he prayed to God. And, you know, that's that's still there. Now it's it's on the side of a mountain. There's no signage. There's no uh, there's no access. You have to really hard to get to. But uh, we, we went to a bunch of places like that because we had extraordinary access because, you know, Pompeo and I got the security details and help from the Israeli government because they wanted us to film it. So we got to see things and bring things to the audience that you really don't see on your on your typical tours. And I learned a lot. And, you know, I'll tell you, Mark, of, of, uh, I think, you know, to, to, in, in synopsis, that what's best about this thing is that when you go to a place like this, you read, you know, all kinds of Bible stories as a kid and you, you learn it as an adult and you study it. But being there, you know, being there on the ground where the events took place, where your biblical heroes actually, you know, performed the, the miracles that are attributed to them. It really takes, you know, all these stories from the world of legend, from the world of myth, and it brings them into a world of truth. And, um, and, and that inspiration that I gained from being there is something I hope we can bring to our audience. You know, I'm embarrassed to say, but it's so true. The first time I went to Israel, I was 60 years old. And the second time I went to Israel is at your invitation uh, with the uh, mm-hmm. embassy in Jerusalem. Yes. And we went with our family. We went the first time, you know, 11 or 12 of us trucked over there. And I can remember just going to City of David and touching the steps, touching things and saying, oh, my Lord, the people who walked here. And so it's, it's real. So your point is people yep. haven't been there. It really is real. And that's what you get out of this movie, right? You do. That's exactly. And in the city of David is very prominently featured in this film. It's it's it just it actually happened. And when you can you know feel that and touch it, it it brings to you almost you almost you know shudder at the, at the reality that's thrust upon you. The fact that the Bible really happened. The the archaeologists and the scientists and the theologians are all in the same place uh, when it comes to uh, these biblical events, and it's it's enormously inspiring. Of course, you talk about a lot of places in this film. You visit a lot of them. You, t- you explain them in plain English. It's really quite compelling and intriguing. And in the clip that you see uh, that I've posted that you sent me, a lot about Hebron. Who was buried in yeah. Hebron? Uh, only uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Rebecca, and Leah. So 
Unbelievable. The, the, three, the, the three patriarchs, three out of the four matriarchs, the fourth Rachel, is buried somewhere else. And we visit her tomb as well in this film. Her, her, her Rachel's gr- uh, grave is very meaningful to many people. It's a source of very fervent prayer. Uh, look, it's it's right there in the in the book of Genesis. You know, the the story is told about how Abraham was looking for a place to bury his wife Sarah, and he and he met someone and he negotiated with him and he bought a place, and he created a, a burial cave for him, for his wife, and then he himself was buried there, and then his progeny. So, you know, and it, and it's and it's it's right there, the 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 tombs are right there, and um and the history is unassailable. Is it amazing that all three of the main faiths? starting with Judaism, then Christianity, then Islam, count Abraham as really the father of their faiths? Yeah, they do. They're all called the Abrahamic faiths. And, and, and by the way, they're, they're all welcome in, in Hebron, and, and they do come to Hebron. And, and the, the structure that was built by King Herod 2,000 years ago to encapsulate this, this tomb is still in pretty good shape. It's still intact for 2,000 years. It's almost the only building that was built uh, 2,000 years ago that wasn't destroyed because all the faiths have such respect for this place. Of course, the flip side of it is that, you know, our country uh, and, and so many others around the world think that Israel should just surrender that territory to, to, to hostile enemies who the first thing they do when they control it is to destroy it, as they've destroyed so many other uh, holy sites within the Judaism and Christianity. So um, I hope that when people see this, they say, gee, this is an important place. We hope it's preserved for eternity for our children, grandchildren, and progeny. The only way to do that is to allow uh, Israel to be the custodian of these places. And, and Israel is the only country in 2,000 years that's afforded access to these holy sites to all, to all faiths or people of no faith. I mean, it's, it's the only solution to uh, our ability to preserve these holy sites. Fantastic movie here. Route 60, dot movie, type in your... Your zip code, you'll find out where a theater is near you. That's Route 60, and 60 is numerical, 60.movie, Route60.movie. Type in your, your zip code. Now, I want to ask you a few questions on current events. Having nothing to do with the movie, sure. everybody should sure. see the movie. I'm watching, Mr. Ambassador, the Biden administration basically unraveling everything the Trump administration did in the Middle East. They keep talking about the two-state solution. They're now funding the Palestinians, even those who commit active atrocities, not just against Israelis, but Americans. Uh, You see what's happened now uh, when it comes to efforts. People, you wanted to expand the Abraham Accords, which is simply not going to happen right now. And they're even talking down Netanyahu's attempt to to build a strong alliance with Saudi Arabia because Thomas Friedman and Biden and and the reprobates he surrounds himself with. They only want a deal that kind of forces Israel not to take action against Iran. What do you make of all this? Oh, I think it's been one mistake over another. And, it, and it's been tragic because, you know, when, when we left office, um, uh, one, one of the high, highlights of the Trump administration was the Middle East and what progress had been made. And you're right, he's, he's unraveling it. Look, the interference by the Biden administration in Israel's internal affairs is unprecedented. And look, it's been done before by other governments, but it's never been done to this extent. You know that they're having a, um, a New Year's toast, a Jewish New Year's toast at the at the ambassador. There's no ambassador now, but the ambassadors, uh, uh, whoever is in charge now, is having a, a, a party there in a couple of days. You know, they won't invite 
uh, Israel's um, uh, minister of finance because they don't like his politics. They won't invite him to a, to a, to a social event because they don't like his politics. Um, you know, Netanyahu still hasn't been invited to the White House, um, even though he's a duly elected, you know, uh, 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 prime minister of Israel, one of America's most loyal friends for, I don't know, almost 20 years. Um, he can't get an invitation to the White House. I mean, I'm not concerned about the discourtesy to Netanyahu because he's a big boy. He can handle that. But the signal it sends across the globe is that the United States is opposed to the Israeli government. And, and that just invites all kinds of um, mischief and mayhem among Israel's enemies. So, yeah, it's it's it, I don't know where they think they're going to succeed here because it's just everything's heading in the wrong direction. Um, and I, I mean, it's deeply frustrating to me as somebody who committed uh, four years of my life. And frankly, I'm still committed to it. And I was committed to it before. It's um, it, it's all wrong. The hope everything is, is, is wrong. I mean, the, I think and I think, you know, it's what's oddly enough, I think even the, the Arab countries are scratching their heads about about Biden. I mean, they actually said more. I should say more than that. Many of the Arab countries really are, are, are deeply offended by Biden's embrace of Iran. I mean, they can't they can't understand it. But but this this idea that, you know, America is going to continue to fund malign behavior by Palestinians. I don't know if you saw um, what the um, what what president of the Palestinian Authority just said a couple of days ago, Prime Minister, um, you know, President uh, Mahmoud Abbas. He said that the um, he said that Hitler wasn't anti-Semitic. Uh, he gave a speech, a public speech. He said Hitler was not anti-Semitic. He only killed Jews because he disapproved of their financial practices. And and this is a guy who just got a half a billion dollars in aid from the United States. Uh, so you know I, I don't know what to make of it. it. It's it's so it's so offensive and so counterproductive and so you know it's so likely to lead to to a bad outcome. Um, I, I just hope it ends. It ends. It can't can't end soon enough. The problem is, of course, Iran is uh, now breakneck speed. It's going to have a nuclear weapon if they're not stopped. The Biden administration seems to accept that outcome, but wants to rejigger, re-engineer, reorganize the entire Middle East in some uh, fanciful, idiotic way. Uh, and, of course, they feel that Israel stands in the way, in my opinion. And they hate Netanyahu because they know Lapid and the minority parties over there will pretty much do whatever the Biden administration wants them to do, and Lapid even comes to the United States to lobby against the elected government there. And I want people in this country to understand, they're not right-wingers. These are, we would consider them right of center. We would consider Netanyahu right of center. We wouldn't consider him a Barry Goldwater. He's right of center. And he negotiates, and he works out the deals and so forth, but it's not good enough for them, is it, Mr. Ambassador? No, I, I, I don't understand what they what they want from Netanyahu. I, I just don't understand what more he needs to do. Um, you know, Tom Friedman writes these. I mean, think about what Tom Friedman wrote the other day. He writes that America should stop dealing. There, he, he writes that America should stop dealing with Netanyahu because his interests are contrary to those of America. He says that in the in you know that you know the the discussion between uh, the Palestinians. And, and Biden and uh, MBS in Saudi Arabia and Netanyahu. Of those four players, the only one who's morally uh, infirm is Netanyahu. He's the bad guy. You know, mm-hmm. the, guy, the guy who claims that the Hitler wasn't anti-Semitic, yeah, it's, talk to him. Negotiate with him, that's fine. But Netanyahu, who only, you know, is the longest-serving prime minister in Israel's history, who, who, who brought the GDP per capita from, 
you know, twelve thousand to fifty thousand dollars, you know, in you know, made 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 Israel a, a you know the the envy of the world in terms of its technological advancements. I mean, the guys done nothing but but build Israel into a, a first world, a first rate country. And and Tom Friedman says this is the guy you have to box out. You know, don't let him in in the room. That'd be the same Tom Friedman who praised communist China a few years back and their government because they could get things done, Mr. Ambassador. And he's done that on more than one occasion. And his background is really uh, quite disastrous, as was pointed out in a great piece and commentary a few years back. All right. So the movie, folks, is Route 60, R-O-U-T-E 60 dot movie. It'll be on all the social sites. And you type in your, uh, your, your uh, zip code, and it'll tell you where you can see the movie. I want to encourage you to do it. It's, it's, it's entertaining, but not in a stupid way. It's entertaining because you're looking at it. It's historic. You're learning so much. It's a family uh, adventure. You put all this other stuff behind you, and it really is incredible. And I want to thank you for doing this, David. It's really a fantastic movie. And on Tuesday, you'll see some of my family there watching it with you. Well, it, it was a labor of love, and we'll we'll, we'll be good to your uh, to your family. I'm sorry you can't be there. I know you're busy, but uh, we it was a labor of love. And God bless to your beautiful family. Thank you. Appreciate All right, it. brother, take care of yourself. Check out that movie, folks. It really is uh, going to be a fantastic. It is a fantastic movie. It'll be a, a wonderful event for you to attend again. If you want to know specifics, go to MarkLevinShow.com and all the other social sites I have, uh, and I think it's very important uh, that the ambassador was able to talk about it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I don't know what Sean's going to ask me in 15 or 20 minutes, but if this so-called indictment comes up, I'm going to repeat and express to him what I told you. This looks like a ruse to me. Because they're saying they'll indict him on the gun violation. Okay. They do have an argument on this diversion agreement. I don't know if it'll fly or not. But his lawyer's no idiot. Abby Lowell's well-known as a great defense attorney. Doesn't mean he's right. But this argument is not a foolish argument. That the fact is that Hunter Biden, they can argue, relied in good faith on this diversion agreement and that he has complied with every piece of it as a condition for pretrial release and more. Who knows what the judge will buy, but that's not even the most important point. The most important point is why charge him on this? Why not charge them on any of the outstanding tax issues on FARA, the Foreign Registration Act? And the reason for that is, ladies and gentlemen, if you get into a full-blown trial on those issues and issues like them, they are very likely, they're certainly more likely, to draw in daddy, Joe Biden. The gun matter, not at all. The tax matter and FARA, yes. That's why. And... If the judge rules in favor of the defense, then, of course, Hunter gets away with that, too. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our truckers, the freedom fighters around the world in Taiwan and Ukraine, 
And most of all, you, the great Americans out there, the great patriots, thank you very, very much. Take a little trip over to Amazon. I encourage you to do that. The release is almost upon us, and I'll see you in a few minutes. God bless. God bless. 